Welcome to this part three of our MTB group set discussion uh, on the Cycle Systems Academy podcast. We've covered Shimano and I've got a, a raft of customer questions that we'll get to in a, a subsequent show. Uh, but we're going to start to tackle what I think is possibly actually the most daunting manufacturing in terms of the breadth of the technology they have available, you know, both through their own development and through companies they've acquired. We're going to talk about SRAM, aren't we, Sean? Yeah, that's right. And... Um we were talking before the show, before we were recording, have a drink. Have a drink. That you could do a PhD on SRAM mountain bike technology alone. The um, the depth of the engineering research that SRAM have gone to to develop these products is absolutely breathtaking. And it is quite amazing in terms of the types of products they're bringing out now that lots of our friends in the mountain bike world, such as Mark from Velocity, are saying are completely game game-changing and groundbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and for mechanics you know, and old guys like you and I, that's that's absolutely astonishing because the first time I came across SRAM seriously was as cheap OEM material on bikes with, you know, grip shift, mm. the original grip shift, which mechanics quite rightly called grip shit. I mean, it was terrible. You know, shonky metal springs against soft plastic. And suddenly you've got a company that is arguably the most innovative in the world. And that's in a relatively short time period. I mean, you're looking at, what, three decades, two and a half decades at most, and suddenly they're pushing the boundaries. Well, yeah, funnily enough, SRAM um, launched as a company before the mountain bike revolution really hit mainstream. So their first product was actually um, a grit shit road shifter and uh, saw a a symposium with Stan Day, the founder, at one time, and they had the old adverts of drop-barred racing bikes with these grip shift shifters on. And, of course, they didn't sell any, and they almost went under mm -hmm. because no one wanted this on their road bike, and that's all SRAM had. And then the mountain bike thing got big, and SRAM got on board with that, and the rest, as they say, is history. So what, I've, what I'm struggling with is where to start here. I mean, do you have a plan in your head about how we're going to talk about this This monstrous pile of technology and, uh, and group sets. Well, I think the first thing to say, it, you know, to the listeners is that there is a huge amount of information on the SRAM website and it's beautifully laid out in terms of breaking down all of the, the sort of buzzwords that the marketing guys have come up with. You can click on each buzzword and see mm -hmm. what it is. You can click on types of riding cross-country, trail, gravity, so you can click on the sort of riding that you want to do and then have the technology um, explained to you there. And there's all sorts of videos, and it just really depends on how much time you've got, to be perfectly honest, how much you want to learn about it. So there's a huge amount there. Obviously, at Cycle Systems Academy, we're actually sponsored and supported by Fisher Outdoor, who are the sort of main importers for SRAM in the UK, and are also co-owners with SRAM of the SRAM Service Centre in Windsor. Mm -hmm. So we've had quite a close working relationship with those guys. And of course, they're providing manufacturer-specific dealer training as well for all of the SRAM products. So we're you know, very fortunate as in we've always got people to speak to about the product and often getting the latest products as well. But I think the basic thing for this show is let's look at the, the group sets from the ground up as it were, and then start looking at some of the more sort of revolutionary technologies, the 1 by 11 technologies, which is what people are probably really going to want to hear about. Mm -hmm. One of the first things to know is with SRAM, you know, again, we're going to look at 
the sort of mid end upwards. Okay, so we're not going to look at the real sort of cheaper stuff. SRAM do have products which is actually Shimano compatible. And um, it's up to very, very cheap stuff you'll find on hybrids or very entry level mountain bikes. We're not going to go there at all. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It's a bit like the Shimano Olivio, but we want to concentrate where there's a little bit more tech going on. Yeah, and I, th I think for me, where, where the differentiation really starts, because I mean, SRAM aren't stupid. They're doing Shimano compatible stuff because it's a huge market. Yeah. You know, if somebody breaks a derailleur on an entry level mountain bike or a, you know, or a hybrid, and they can get a SRAM one, then that's money in SRAM's pocket. But I think the defining technology for me and where they really start is with the one-to-one the -one actuation, where they yep. differentiate from the amount of cable pool that Shimano use between you know, their mechs and shifters. Yeah, that's right. So there's the big difference straight away, is the one-to-one -one actuation. So if you put um, a SRAM mech with a, a sort of Shimano derailleur, they're just not going to work, they're not going to be compatible. And we'll look at the very first sort of one-to-one uh, -one group set, which is the X5. Now, the X5 group set is entry level. It is, can you put it on your bike? Everything works, and it works really well. And the idea of this one-to-one -one actuation is that there's no slack. You know, that there's, there's nothing. When you sort of press the shifters, bang, you get the movement straight away. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful. There's very powerful springs, both in the shifters and in the mechs. So the idea of it, as far as I'm aware, is that it's very precise, very quick shifting. But because there's so much power in there, also when your drivetrain starts getting muddy and it's under pressure from the movement of the bike, you're still going to have that very solid movement that you need for indexing, especially mm -hmm. with more and more gears in the rear cassette. Obviously, one of the downsides of that can be that there's more general pressure on the springs and on the components because they're held in more tension all the time. Yeah, and they're, they're bigger levers. Essentially, pulling the larger amount of cable, you've got more leverage, which means as you shift degrades, which it will, you know, it'll always degrade in a mountain bike because you're taking a bike into crappy conditions. You're going to have less of an effect in it. And I actually think it's a, it's a real innovation. I mean, I find with SRAM, once you set it up and once the cable's stretched, you don't actually have to tune your gears that often. And it, it's, I think it's a real advantage over Shimano. Yeah, a lot of mountain bikers do love it for that. With the shifters, again, you know, still just looking at X5, but all of the shifters, it's just a press. So you've got two shifters, one pretty much on top of the other, depending on where your thumb is, and you just press both. So there's no pull for the release. And this is so good that Shimano have aped it in terms of you've got that option on most of their shifters now. So the X5, you know, sort of perfectly good group set. And then you sort of move up to the X7, group set the x7 group set is basically it's just getting a bit more serious okay so this is the first group set where you have the the type 2 derailleur the type 2 derailleur is the one with the clutch that we talked about in shimano group set last time so that clutch is something where you've got a tremendous amount of tension on the spring of the um, mech so it's not it's flapping around a lot less while the bike's rattling over the rocks but when you need to remove the rear wheel, you can disengage that with the clutch and just get the mech out of the way very easily. SRAM's quite interesting is you don't actually have a lever for engaging and disengaging the clutch. You have what's called clage lock and you literally move the mech by hand and it disengages the clutch for you. And it's one less thing to go wrong. In my head, I kind of equate X7 with Dior, to tell you the truth. 
Yeah. It's, it's the kind of the sensible entry point for really serious riding. And, you know, there's no terrain that you wouldn't get up or down with, with X7. The durability might be a bit less than the higher-ended groups, and it might be a wee bit heavier than the real top-end stuff. But it's a good, honest kind of working mountain bike grupo. Yeah, that's right. And what you've got for um, X9 is the 9-speed and 10-speed options as well. So you just got to be aware that you're getting compatible components when you're buying this or getting replacements for this. Um, obviously, you've got a shifter that's got 10 clicks and you've got 9 9-speed nine cassette at the back. It's not going to work. There's also um, different types of shifters. We've got the um, trigger shifter that we talked about. You have also got a twist grip as well, which they're still made. Uh, they work incredibly well. You can dump the whole cassette in one, you know, release or go up the whole cassette in, in one twist. But um, for myself, having ridden these, even general trail riding, I think it's very easy to twist the uh, shift around when the, the bars are sort of shaking around or you're going up and down anything quite big. Yeah, I've, I've had exactly the same experience. I mean, I was biased against them first because, you know, the original grip shift was so bad and, it, to be frank, generated so much swearing from me in the workshop that I vowed never to touch SRAM again. Yeah. Um, the modern ones are far better. They work really well. But the grip is... It's just what you say. When you hit a bumpy terrain, part of your brain goes, this will be better because I can actually hold on to the bars all the time, you know, with a full grip. But I also had ghost shifts and, and, and miss shifts, so... You know, I, I prefer the trigger systems to the twist system. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth saying now that, um, you know, we've not got many triple chain sets going on. We have still got triple chain sets at this level, but you've got the 2 by 10 option at this level, which is for anyone who's not tried just going on a double on a mountain bike, you're not going to miss the uh, the third ring. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a fat, slow tourist, and even I don't miss it. So, if, you know, if I can get by in a double, anybody can. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's your your X9, and so there's a fairly big jump, isn't there, up to the XO? Yeah, in in terms of expense, but also in terms of technology, um, you know, it, and it's where you get stuff like far more carbon in the mix. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the the CNC machining they do to their componentry is unbelievable. I mean, you know, things like the cassette components it's just really detail oriented and it's where i think you get the first inkling that sram i mean i've, I've been critical of sram in many areas but they are trying to do things differently you know they're starting with a blank slate and i think exo is the first place we see that mm. yeah i mean it does look very radically different doesn't it from from the the shimano kit and again you've got quite a lot of nice options here is you've got nine speed you've got 10 speed we've got um a downhill sort of specific chain sets and such as well. So it's a very, very big leap. You know, I guess it's like the XT equivalent, isn't it, the XO? Yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, it's um, it's for the rider. They might not get any more performance, but they're going to get more durability, and frankly, it's a bit cooler. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say more about it, but the problem, the problem I have now, when I, mean, when I was selling group sets before, was there was a definite point where stuff started working properly. And with the modern technologies from SRAM and Shimano, that point is actually quite low now. You know, you could go in an X5 equipped bike and have an absolute cracker of a day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's the if someone's building up a, a custom bike where they're specking their own components, they may well put some X5 components on now 
and then as they wear out or break, they can replace with X7 or X9, for example, and you know, just get yourself a really nice frame or nice forks, etc. But coming on to um, XO, what's really exciting at the XO level now is we've got the XO1, which is the sort of um, single speed chain ring at the front. And we've even got the XO1DH, which is the downhill specific. Now, this um, can come in a variety of different speeds in terms of the amount of um, sprockets on the cassette. We've got the 11 speed on the XO1 which we've just talked about. So you've got one um, chain ring at the front and 11 speeds at the back. Mm -hmm. We've got the downhill 10 speed and there's the downhill 7 speed as well. So even at the XO level, the technology has trickled down to give you a huge amount of options depending on the type of riding you're doing. And what I would say is, you know, when we were talking about how great a double shift at the front was, last week when we were talking about Shimano and again this week um, I was chatting to, to Mark Amund of Velocity Bikes who's you know completely sold on the single chain ring setup and he's kind of changed my mind because what he's said is you can actually just change your chain ring in a matter of kind of 30 seconds a minute and change your gearing range to suit the kind of riding you're doing now for me I don't think it would work because you know there's so much elevation change in Glen Tress but for a rider in slightly less challenging situations, the simplicity of a single chain ring system is really appealing. It is. I mean, I can see, obviously, if you're racing, you're you're going to test the course and you know what you, you're going to hit. And obviously, any of us can um, look at our digital maps or our OS paper maps and really see the sort of terrain that's coming. But we may not really be able to... Um, certain exactly what's going to happen or exactly how we're going to feel after several hours riding mm -hmm. and uh, it's very very easy for people to overgear their bikes both road and mountain bike you know especially with roads you'll see people rolling out on an 1121 cassette with the standard 3953 chain set on the adapter tour for example and then really really regretting it very very quickly so for myself for general trail riding I think it still might be easy to be caught out being undergeared or overgeared. Mm -hmm. And actually, on the wonderful Bike Rumor website, there's a long term review of the XX1. And the only thing he says is occasionally he did get undergeared or overgeared. One thing I would say as well is what amazes me is what they're getting away in terms of, I mean, this is a bit geeky, but in terms of cassette tooth sizes. I mean, you're going down to tiny, tiny amounts of teeth in these cassettes. And well, a Victorian engineer would have laughed in your face, you know, he would have said, you can't have less than 14 teeth in a cassette because it will shear. Mm -hmm. So the technologies are amazing. That are little, the most amazing thing about all of these group sets is some, running something like an 8 to 42, which is possible now, just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, we need a, a specific free hub body for these cassettes. Uh, SRAM called it a driver body, XD driver body. So this obviously has to have a compatible wheel or hub. So this is something very important. Currently, these driver bodies are compatible with the SRAM wheels, with DT Swiss wheels and with Mavic wheels. Now it's DT Swiss technology and lots of companies, such as Bontranger for example, will use DT Swiss technology in their free hubs. So I suspect very, very quickly, a lot more wheel manufacturers will get compatible with these XT driver bodies. 
Yeah, and they do away with the splines, which, as everybody knows, if you're a powerful rider or you're riding in bad conditions, you can have a hell of a job getting a cassette of a, you know, of a marred spline-free hub body. Well, that's right, and also the the splines were always the um, real bane of super-light components. Anyone out there who bought a, a set of tune hubs, you know, for example, because they were so wonderfully light and then couldn't remove the cassette from the tune hub because the, the free hub body had been completely chewed up and... It was always a big problem, so it takes away that problem. But yeah, you've got a cassette, sort of 10 tooth to 42 tooth, for your sort of general riding or your cross-country racing. 11 teeth at the back is um, absolutely fantastic. Sorry, 11 sprockets at the back mm-hmm. is fantastic for a wide spread of gears. But for the downhill racers, we're on XO1DH, what we've got is this seven-speed cassette. Now, it still uses the 11-speed chain. It's not a seven-speed group set with the the wider chain and such. You're still using the same equipment, but what we've got is what Sram call a mini-block cassette, essentially a much closer range and with less gears because you don't need as many gears for downhill racing. But what they've done is they've spaced them wider than a road cassette. Mm -hmm. As we know, downhill racers have often used road rear mechs with a short cage, and road cassettes for close range. But they were... well, we talked about that last year, some of the gravity, or last week, some of the gravity groups use a 105 cassette, for example, in Shimano. Yeah, that's right. But what SRAM says is it's not ideal, and the, you know, racers are having to shift several times at once rather than just individual shifts. So that's quite an amazing revolutionary um, technology, and even the idea from SRAM that less is actually more, whereas what we've seen is more gears, more gears, more gears. So... This is, you know, they've gone to 2 by 10 rather than 3 by 10 and now sort of 7 speed at the back. And what I really like as well is the X-Horizon rear derailleur, which goes across these group sets. Does my head in that. <laughs> it seems to work incredibly well as we don't have any um, side-to-side, I mean, up and down movement. We've just got the side-to-side movement. So when a mech moves normally, and you can see this demonstrated very well on the um, the downhill sort of single-speed video on the SRAM website, you can see how the mech moves across and stays really, really close to the chain rings. And does it get, because it's not having to move up and down, you're getting a lot less chance for ghost, shift, ghost shifting or for losing your chain. Yeah, I mean, the long-term test that I read, I think, was in Bike Rumour. The guy didn't drop a chain once in, you know, extensive testing in a variety of conditions with the with the cross-country 11-speed Grupo. And the, the downhill one is even more focused on keeping the chain mounted. But see if you're, you know, of slightly advanced years like me, and you're so used to seeing that kind of upwards and backwards movement of a parallelogram rear derailleur, that horizon thing just looks weird. Yeah. It is certainly is completely different, but again, it just shows the innovation that's going on. Cycle Systems Academy provides professional cycle maintenance training at its state-of-the-art facility in London. If you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognised cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too. Now, what we've got, um, sort of moving on from the, the XO1, we've got the XX 
one, which was the, the first one by 11 group that's run bought out. Now XX is the the XTR, as it were, of um, of the SRAM group sets. It's the racer's choice or the, the dentist's choice. And the XX1 was the first mountain bike group set for sort of racing or normal riding where you've got a single ring at the front and 11 speed at the back. And here I think we come to two really crucial technologies from SRAM. The first is the chain rings, and we'll talk about them you know, in, in a wee minute. But for me, the big difference for SRAM, and I saw it first at Eurobike, is the way they construct a cassette. Mm. You know, there's CNC machining from solid blocks of aluminium and, and you know, loads of things like that. And my first thought with this, with 11 is, it's never going to work because it's going to clog up in British conditions. But when you take off a SRAM cassette and look at it, as well as the usual tooth profile and, that we've come to expect from all the manufacturers, it's actually more air than cassette. You know, there's huge amounts of space to clear mud, which means the 11 speed thing can actually have a decent chance of working. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so what was really interesting looking at the chain ring technology in depth when it came out is the chain rings themselves have been designed to retain the chain without the need for any sort of um, front mech or chain device or mm -hmm. chain right to hold it in place. And the same technologies which would shed mud, which would hold the chain in place, they found were also useful for the jockey wheels or what, what's wrong called the pulley wheels on the rear mech as well. So the shape of the um, teeth on the front chain ring is, is, is replicated in the um, jockey wheels of the rear mechs. And it's funny because the first time I saw one of these, you know, particularly the chain rings, it actually looks more like somebody's glued a screwdriver bit set onto a chain ring. Yeah. Because, I mean, all of them have got really unique profiles to, to catch and retain the chain once it's on. So... Every every report I've read about them says that they're you know they're more or less bomb proof, just as we talked about with the Shimano ones with the clutch last well, you know last week. Yeah, and of course the chain that's going to work with all of this is very specifically engineered as well, and SRAM call it the hard chrome technology, which has got an incredible amount of strength and wear resistance. And what's interesting here for those of us that are interested in chain design is that because they're not having to have any sort of design to help the chain shift between front rings they can really focus on the strength as well so the 11 speed chain it may be counterintuitive but it's actually stronger and lasts for much longer time than the 10 speed chains mm -hmm. and you know it's it's gonna last a lot longer because when you think about it we've talked when we're talking about di2 and that sort of thing about the sideways forces you know, exerted on a chain by a front shift which is still a very crude thing. You know, it's essentially just chucking a chain sideways at great force. You take away that, it's, it's one of the biggest stressors on the chains going away before you start. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, what's really, really interesting here is that people, you know, have been cynical about the retention of the, the chain on the front ring, but it is it seems to be working extremely well. Even the downhill group sets, it's designed that you can run it without a chain guide. But they still do make chain guides. And in fact, even on the SRAM promotional videos, when they're showing the downhill specific um, one times group sets, they are still actually using chain guides, you'll notice. What I would say is a lot of people are going to go, you know, keeps the chain on. What's the big deal? Yeah. Now, we're on a super bumpy mountain bike track, for example. Think back not that long, 15 years, to David Miller losing his chain on you know, the, the, the smooth streets of Paris. 
think back to British time trialists always putting a front make on because even if they were running a single ring, the chain would derail. The fact that that's now not an issue at all on the harshest terrain shows that you know how far these technologies have advanced. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it is um, absolutely breathtaking that you can run it like this. And now, of course, what we're seeing is that other companies are making components that are compatible with the group set. So you've got quite a lot of options at Raceface and such. Hope are bringing out technologies that are compatible with the Shimano and the SRAM single speed chain ring group sets. I actually want to talk about something else now, mm-hmm. uh, just to completely throw you away from your show notes. Um, one thing that really strikes me about SRAM is even more than Shimano, they're the complete package now because they've acquired so many different companies. You know, Rockshots is a SRAM company now. Avid is a SRAM company now. And what that means is, you know, we talked about the wonderful options you've got for tuning your shifter mounts and that sort of thing on, on Shimano last last week. Even more from SRAM, you know, you can mount everything on one clamp now. Yeah, they call it matchmaker compatible. So it's something to look at. Um, you know, the group sets, if you want to have the matchmaker compatible to make sure you're buying at that level. And essentially, you can hold your SRAM trigger shifters, you can hold your RockShox push lock controls, you obviously you've got your brake levers on there as well. And also for a lot of mountain bikers, they're using a dropper seat post, which is a seat post which will drop down and then come back up at the press of a button. And in fact, the, um, the RockShox hydraulic um, dropper post is regarded as the best of the bunch as well. Most of the others are still cable operated with all the inherent problems of that. And actually a lot of these dropper seat posts do suffer from a lot of uh, very quick sort of wear and degradation and will start developing a lot of side-to-side rocking movement. Yeah. Now, what I'd like to do, because I mean, we're in danger here because modern equipment is so good. It's sounding like an advert for Shimano as we did last week and for SRAM, you know, this week. We've laid out, you know, the rough, the rough kind of hierarchy of the group sets. What I'd like to do moving forward to next week is we'll actually go through the various levels and highlight the, you know, disadvantages and advantages of the two manufacturers, so that we move away from just sounding like an advert, and then the following week uh, we can start getting into specific uh, reader questions. I think. Yeah, and we can look at a few of the bits and bobs there as well, because of course there's hydraulic shifting out there there's a few different companies as well that we've not looked at yet so we'll we still got about four or five shows of mountain bike stuff mate yeah exactly exactly we'll try and pop in a few interviews maybe in between them if they do sort of keep going and going but we'll gauge the interest and go from there i don't think we've got time for interviews <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the internet sean they can find us at cycle systems ack on twitter they can find us forward slash cycle systems act on Facebook and they can find us at cycle systems.co.uk on the web. 